Welcome to A Little Louder Now, a podcast produced by the Bridge Initiative and FI360 Project. This is the Breaking Barriers series. We are Alex and Alicia, your hosts and resident fangirls of all women who break barriers for others. During the Breaking Barriers series, we highlight individuals from all industries and walks of life who have blazed trails for others. Each month, we'll focus on a different theme topic, and the theme of this month for Breaking Barriers is Science Mavens. Mm. Today, we're going to talk about Stephanie Kowalek. Stephanie Kowalek is a... Please, enlighten <clears throat> us, because I didn't know who she was before... And isn't that sad? Yes, it is, <laughs> but I didn't know... Um, who she was before uh, you were like, hey, let's talk about Stephanie Kualda. Yeah. Kualek. She she um, actually discovered Kevlar. and So cool. Yeah. And she, like, imagine how that must feel after discovering something like that and seeing it put into bulletproof vests and literally saving lives. Mm-hmm. Um, she discovered it and uh, she actually... Mm-hmm. It's an interesting story that we're going to tell you about later with how she discovers it, but um, she made a huge contribution to humanity with this discovery, Um, but she very much was um, a scientist, and her whole life she spent writing patents and whatnot, so let's let's get into her background a little bit. Yeah, tell me, tell me the, uh, give me like a one sentence... Why are we talking about uh, Stephanie? Okay, well, she's... You can sum it up. I'm going to TLDR. She (laughs) is an American chemist who is known for inventing Kevlar. She discovered the first of a family of synthetic fibers of exceptional strength and stiffness, which is polyparaphenylene terephthalamide. Look at you. I know. Look at the science. I know. Science words, you know... This is this is really funny. This is one actually one of the things that first bonded us together when we um, when you got to FI three sixty is our love of the TV show Bones. Yes, I credit Bones with my ability to pronounce that. Yes, wholeheartedly. Right? Yes, no, I, n- neither one of us would have been able to pronounce the those two things those two words without uh, Doctor Temperance Brennan and the Squint Squad. Yeah, I don't like calling them the Squint Squad though. I, I mean, I know that's but from, that's early seasons where he totally calls them is. that, and then totally he starts is. to respect them and he doesn't call them that. Anymore. Okay, we're gonna do an episode on Bones later. <laughs> Not right now. Okay, but. <laughs> We'll talk about Stephanie Kowalik first before we yes. talk about Bones. Yes. Um, her, she, she had a really long career at DuPont Company. Mm-hmm. Um, it spanned over 40 years. And um, she was awarded the DuPont Company's uh, Lavoisier. Lavoisier. Okay, sure. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's Friday afternoon. <laughs> My brain's checked out, apparently. <laughs> Lavoisier. <laughs> Lavoisier. <laughs> think we had to practice that one <laughs> we practiced other words but not that one not that one <laughs> okay so she was awarded this medal for outstanding technical it's achievement the Lavoisier medal not this medal it's the Lavoisier medal <laughs> Lavoisier all right tell me about anyway. her early life please <clears throat> of course she was born on July 31st which is an auspicious birthday um 1923 in the Pittsburgh suburb of New, New Kensington, Kensington, Pennsylvania, to Polish immigrant parents. So her um, her father 
John actually passed away when she was 10 years old. So he was a naturalist by vocation and Stephanie spent hours with him as a child exploring the natural world. And if you're not familiar with the topography of Pennsylvania, New Kensington is surrounded by forests. Mm -hmm. And so they would have a lot of places to go look at nature and spend time together. Um, But she attributed her interest in science to him and an interest in fashion, fabrics, and sewing to her mother. Nellie. Yeah, right. Her name is Nellie, which I think is a beautiful name. Um, Okay. She also had a strong interest in teaching, chemistry, and medicine. So I think it's really great. Uh, You and I have been wanting to talk about a Pittsburgh girl for a long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're both from Pittsburgh. We're living in Pittsburgh right now. We're currently sitting in our Pittsburgh office. And we both love Pittsburgh. And I think it's really, really cool that we get to focus on uh, a not well-known scientist from the Pittsburgh region who broke barriers. Who's a female. Well, yes, obviously yes, of course. female. Um, but yeah, I think it's really interesting. And, um, you know, Pittsburgh has this very different vibe about it. And I think that that probably would have contributed to her... Uh, go get them attitude because that's very much a like a Pittsburgh mindset. Yeah, is, I mean we're a blue car, color city. Yeah, so um, yay for Pittsburgh girl. Pittsburgh's great. We yes. Shout, shout out to Pittsburgh. So after her father unfortunately passed away, her mother raised her and her brother alone. And in 1946, Stephanie earned a Bachelor of Science degree with a major in chemistry from the Margaret Morrison Carnegie College of Carnegie Mellon University. CMU. CMU. Oakland. I got to take some classes at CMU. I lived near CMU. I didn't take any classes there, but I lived near it. I live right down the street. So she had planned to become a doctor and hoped she could earn enough money from a temporary job in a chemistry-related field to attend med school. Didn't quite work out that way for her. I mean, uh, we're all better for it. I mean, yeah, absolutely. We're all better for it. Um, and, and I guess we're all really thankful for Hale Church, Hale Charch. Um, who's a, a former mentor, future mentor, rather. It is, it is Friday afternoon for Alex right now. <laughs> sorry, guys. I'm so sorry. Um, the, so, she, he, he offered Stephanie a position at DuPont's Buffalo, uh, New York facility in 1946. And um, the vacancy was really due primarily to all, all of the men being overseas in World War II. So I thought it was really interesting that uh, during her interview, Hale Charge told Stephanie, that he would let her know in a couple of weeks if she got the job or not. And she, being a barrier breaker um, and science maven, she told him that she had another offer on the table and she had to respond to sooner than that and asked if he could let her know sooner. So as she was standing there, he called in his secretary and dictated an offer letter to her on the spot. Boss move. I love it. You know, that reminds me a lot of um, Melissa Ritchie. We did the interview with her uh, last year. Mm -hmm. And uh, she... We did this interview with her, like, right around review time. And uh, it was... was She was talking about how to to be assertive. um, Because women are um, kind of afraid, almost, to ask for things like raises or promotion or... Um, really pretty much anything. And uh, Melissa, the, the, Melissa just really reminds me of Stephanie um, in the way that she's just kind of like a go-getter. Um, she has this 
like, I, I don't know, aura about her that you just know when she walks in the room that she's going to get what she wants. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just love that. So if you want to hear more about how to be assertive in the workplace or just listen to Melissa Rochie's interview at all, just yeah. head back to our, um, our podcast our, page. Our podcast page. But um, it's really interesting because actually Stephanie reflected that later in her life that she suspected that her assertiveness that day actually influenced his decision in her favor. And imagine if she wasn't assertive that day. So that's really great. Um, As we mentioned earlier, she only intended to work for DuPont temporarily because she's going to save up to attend medical school. But she found the work interesting and challenging and she decided to stay and move to Wilmington, Delaware in 1950. So it's only four years later. Uh, with DuPont and became a lifetime chemist and polymer researcher. So uh, let's talk about DuPont for just a minute because yeah. I didn't know what DuPont was. Um, I mean, it's a I've, huge company. Yeah, I mean, they, I didn't realize how pervasive mm-hmm. um, that company was and how diverse it was. But uh, basically, if you don't, if you don't know. Um, DuPont is a company that, uh, I mean, according to their website, is committed to transforming and improving everyday life. Um, they have, like, four different business lines, if you could even call them that. I don't know, maybe, like, maybe like categories or something Each like that. Each one is, like, its own business. Yeah, I mean, it's they're huge. Like, electronics mm-hmm. and imaging, transportation and industrial, nutrition and biosciences, safety construction. Um, so their interest is huge. It's, it's so vast. It covers a lot of the world from... Um, you know, again, this is research I dug up on their website, um, transforming the sun's rays into clean energy to, um, to create high-performance resins and adhesives, um, enabling material system solutions for aerospace. Well, I think you could make the argument that chemistry is applicable all over a, a vast ar- array of things. So DuPont initially started out as a, like a chemistry company, from yeah. what I understand. Like so, a research in, in, from their website, you can see they have their hand in clean energy. They have their hand in aerospace mm-hmm. and, um, you know, work in space exploration by making the high-performance resins and adhesives. Um, they're moving toward cleaner bio-based solutions that support a growing circular economy and protective and performance solutions for first responders like Kevlar. Right, right. And, and Stephanie specialized in developing low-temperature processes for finding petroleum-based synthetic fibers, um, as you said, of incredible strength and uh, rigidity. And she was assigned to find the next generation of fibers that could withstand extreme conditions. So she's doing her chemistry things for 10 years. Chemistry things. So I'm not the only one who's Friday afternoon for, <laughs> apparently. I don't know exactly what she was doing every day. <laughs> she was... Uh, searching for fibers of incredible strength but (laughs) she she was testing for 10 years and then in 1964 in anticipation of a gasoline shortage which ended up being in the 70s her group began searching for a lightweight yet strong fiber to be used in tires she created a solution that would typically be thrown away but stephanie persuaded a technician and i would like to mention a male technician to test her solution okay um, it was a liquid crystalline solution, but at the time she didn't realize that. She just thought it was, like, behaving really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, 
She was amazed to find out that this new fiber would not break when nylon typically would. It was stronger than nylon, but it was also five times stronger than steel by weight. So it's incredible. This breakthrough opened up the possibilities for a host of new products resistant to tears, bullets, extreme temperatures, and other conditions. And I think it was her intuition and her gusto, if you will, yeah. that led her to take Kevlar from the garbage, basically. They were going to dispose of it. So <laughs> it's really interesting that she had the foresight to... Hold on, let's, can we just test that? Like, that that's, looks a little interesting to me. Let's take a look at it. A thirst for knowledge, maybe, but... Um, I wonder if she just knew. I don't, I don't know. Like, like you know, I sometimes read, you get, a, like, a gut feeling. Yeah, I think she just was like, wow, that's not behaving the way I would expect. Let's take a look at it. Maybe we could use it for something else. Yeah. You know, resourceful. Um, I just think it's really interesting that Kevlar was going to be thrown away and never tested, and she was like, please hold. <laughs> we need to test this. <laughs> yeah, and, and and both her supervisor and the laboratory laboratory director, they like immediately understood the significance of her discovery and a, a new field of polymer uh, chem- chemistry quickly arose. So by seventy one, which is not even ten ten years later, modern Kevlar is introduced. She learned that the fibers could be made even stronger by heat treating them. Um. She was really not that involved in the practical applications of Kevlar. You know, once senior DuPont managers were informed of the discovery, it was sort of taken out of her hands. Mm -hmm. She said that they immediately assigned a whole group to work on different aspects. Because it's, I mean, it's so usable. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so usable that, I mean, Stephanie, she continued chemistry investigations of Kevlar derivatives for DuPont. Right. So, this is the thing that really gets me, is that she never made a dime on that. She never benefited from, I mean, she benefited from it in being awarded and being the name that's associated with it, but she didn't get a bonus for that. She didn't, you know, get the patent for it. The patent belongs to DuPont. Well, she signed over the patent to the company. Right. And then it was company intellectual property. Right. Right. Her discovery generated several billions of dollars of revenue for DuPont. Yet our girl couldn't get a bonus check. Hmm. Um, She never benefited directly from it, though. So, I mean, I I understand that it's it was made on company property while she was at work. So it was her. It was not hers, really. Mm -hmm. But come on. When you see how much money you're going to make from that, be like, you know what? Let's take care of Stephanie. Let's, does she need more money? What does she need? A house? Um, so so what you're saying is if you ever invent something. I'll be like, excuse me. <laughs> I know my worth. <laughs> I'm going to be decisive. I listened to the Melissa Richie interview. Yes, I would like a house. <laughs> no, I don't know. What? Pay off my student loan debt. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, I would please like to have my student loans paid off. That would be lovely. Um, Anyway, Kevlar is used in more than 200 applications, including tennis rackets, skis, parachute lines, boats, airplanes, ropes, cables, and bulletproof vests. Yeah, it's been used for um, car tires, firefighter boots, hockey sticks, cut-resistant gloves, armored cars, all sorts of stuff. It's really interesting because 
think of something that's very strong and also very lightweight and what you could use that for. It's uh, limitless. And so many Anything. things. That's why the I, I read over the hockey sticks and I was like, okay, well, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, so does the boats and the airplanes and everything. You know, it's just, it's so applicable to everything. Um, it has, it's also been used for protective building materials like bomb-proof materials, hurricane safe rooms, and bridge reinforcements. I mean, we like the word bridge. Bridge. And reinforcements. Bridge reinforcements. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was really interesting that during the week of Stephanie's death, the one millionth bullet-resistant vest made with Kevlar was sold. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Isn't the timing interesting? Yeah. It's nice that she got to see the application of her discovery. Yeah. You know, she got to know her impact. She had to feel a real sense of pride, you know? I, I, I imagine yeah. that she would... Um, I hope that she felt that, that she saved a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, you would... Based on some of the reading from her, because there's really not a lot on her in no, terms of content or biography. She never wrote a book. None of that. That's very sad. Um, but through the interviews and whatnot, she she did feel a sense of accomplishment and forwarding along human progress and safety. So she did feel fulfilled by this, but... Um, At least we have that. And we also right. have her legacy. Right, right. Um, anyway, Kevlar was also used to build cell phones, and I feel like... What was that phone that we all had... It was indestructible. Oh, yeah. The Nokia one? Yes. Yeah. That Nokia phone. Like, everybody yeah. had it, and it was, like, completely... It was probably made from Kevlar. <laughs> Younger listeners, go go look it up. <laughs> they won't know what it is. <laughs> it's almost like a brick that you it's call people like with. a brick. <laughs> I dropped that thing so many times. Yeah. And it never even It hurts your foot call. when you oh drop gosh, it on yeah. your foot, but, yeah. like, it never dropped a call. It never got dented. It never... Mm-hmm. It was I fine. I phone. Can we bring those back? And then we transitioned to, like, these smartphones that are just, like... Glass? I looked at it wrong. It broke. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of case do you have on your phone? A plastic one. (laughs) You should put a better case. Get an otter box on that thing. I can't. Anyway. Unrelated. Anyway. Um, There's probably Kevlar and otter boxes, too. Probably. Combat helmets. Yeah. Aircraft carriers. Ballistic vests. The the uniform the high heat resistance uniforms what uh, firefighters wear. Yep. The body armor that police, security, and police tactical teams like SWAT teams wear. That all includes um, Kevlar. Gloves that are cut resistant. Mm-hmm. Um, motorcycle safety. Yeah, like those uh, motorcycle jackets and chaps, mm-hmm. and they all can contain Kevlar. Um, uh, bowed string instruments. Yeah, and audio equipment. Um, fencing attire. I don't. Don't they know have who like fences. little rubble, rubber pieces at the end of the fencing? Yeah. Why do you need Kevlar then? I don't know. Maybe they're using real. It's just practice. Maybe if they're actually fencing, maybe we should take fencing. You think? I think we would be good at fencing. Yeah. <laughs> no. We'll, we'll video it so that you guys can see if we if we. You'll shoot your eye out. <laughs> Is that me? No. That's, okay. That's probably one of us will come home without an eye. We do fencing. <laughs> That'll be fun. Um, it's an audio... Like, Kevlar's in everything. It's an audio equipment. Frying pans? Yeah. Like, expanse and joists and hoses for building construction. It's used at CERN and particle physics. 
Um, Current turbines, wind turbines. Yeah, so like for clean energy. Yeah. And this is not a full list. No. Like I really pared down the list when I did this research. There are hundreds of other things that yes. Kevlar is used in. Tell 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 everybody the the mo- your favorite thing that it's being introduced. Okay. Are you guys ready? Yes. I'm very excited about this. She's like vibrating with excitement right now. So Kevlar is currently being tested by the Georgia Institute of Technology in electricity producing clothing. Yeah, you're going to have to explain that because what? Okay, you what know does like, that even mean? Okay. For those of you who are fans of Marvel, you know how Black Panther's suit absorbs now I understand. the energy? You made the perfect analogy for me. That's that's what it is. Like you wear a shirt and as you run, the friction generates energy and then you can plug your phone into the shirt and it charges your phone. I, I was going to hope that if I like, hit somebody that... It's know. not like aggressive like Black Panther, but it's okay. the same sort of concept. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> if, you really, the Black if you really want a Black Panther suit, we could figure something out. Do you think that they would build me a Black Panther Excuse suit? Excuse me, DuPont. <laughs> we need a Black Panther suit made of Kevlar. I mean, I just think it would be cool. Anyway. <laughs> Maybe it would stop me from falling down all the time. Maybe. Who knows? Or maybe it would make you hit the stairs harder because you would <laughs> That's true. release your energy on the stairs and just bounce. <laughs> anyway, back to Kevlar. <laughs> so, uh, in bulletproof vests, Kevlar armor was found um, to ensure a 95% probability of survival after being hit with a 38 caliber bullet at a velocity of 800 feet per second. And the probability of requiring surgery after being hit by a projectile was found to be 10% or less. So I want to talk a little bit about the bulletproof vest because it's really revolutionized the armed forces, police. um, Yes, it has. SWAT, security guards. The um, way that they operate. Right. Um... Before this, if you didn't have a bulletproof vest and you were shot in the chest, you were going to die, basically. Mm-hmm. And so it was a really tough thing. It was, it was a, it's a big ask to ask someone to be a police officer for them to sign up for it. It's a difficult job. Mm-hmm. Uh, very difficult. But it was even more difficult then because any shot, basically, you have no protection that's going to be reliable. So now whenever you... If you were to be um, shot with a Kevlar bullet-resistant mm-hmm. vest, you'll bruise, and it will hurt, but you will not be shot, which I think is a great improvement. So nothing goes into your body. Right. No projectile right. in, the, in the organs. Right. So it's really, really revolutionary. Um, in 1976, scientists came to the conclusion that Kevlar was bullet-resistant, wearable and light enough for police officers to wear full time. So since that time, bulletproof vests have improved. Currently, a level 3A bulletproof vest weighs approximately 5.5 pounds, which is nothing, and can protect the wearer from almost all handgun rounds. According to the International Association of Chiefs of Police, bulletproof vests have saved over 3,000 lives since 1987. That's incredible. That's just for police. That's not for military, mm-hmm. you know, 
private security, uh, anything like that. That is literally just police officers. That's how many lives that Stephanie's saved. Well, that just the bullet-resistant vest. Yeah. And just the bullet-resistant vest. I mean, think about the other applications for Kevlar. Um, like, just the firefighters. Mm-hmm. Their With suits. all of the heat-resistant um, yeah. suits and the, and the, the, the boots that they wear. Um, that's all made out of Kevlar. Yes. So think about how many lives that Stephanie's discovery has saved just with firefighters as well. And if you branch out from, you know, the public service and go into just bridge construction. Right. How much safer are bridges now that you can include Kevlar in the chemistry of that bridge to keep it standing or driving because yeah. Kevlar is in tires. Yeah, it's it's really and brakes for that for that matter. It's a really big deal. It is a really big deal and I think that it says something about the American education system that uh, that neither of us knew who Stephanie Kowalik was before we cracked open that book that I have on my desk about yeah. 100 women who changed the world in the past 20th century. Yeah. Uh, you can get that at Barnes and Noble by the way. Yeah. It's um, a great great short little read. So Of her work on Kevlar, Stephanie said, I don't think there's anything like saving someone's life to bring you satisfaction and happiness. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. She just sounds like such a, such a wonderful lady. She did. I mean, she really didn't want the attention either. From what I read, she didn't want all the hoopla. So that's why she never wrote a book. She never entertained those things, which is kind of sad because we don't have as much about her as I'd Mm -hmm. like to have. But, um, I get it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, in 1986, Stephanie retired as a research associate uh, from DuPont. And um, toward the end of her life, she consulted for DuPont, though. Um, and she also served on uh, both the National Research Council and the National Academy of Sciences. Mm-hmm. And she passed away at the age of 90 on June 18th, 2014. Yes. Let's talk about some of the awards that she's won, because they are numerous, actually. Like the Lavoisier Award? Lavoisier? No, not that one. <laughs> uh, anyway. Now I'm just teasing. <laughs> in 1959, she won a publication award from the ACS, which is the American um, Chemistry Society, which was the first of many awards. The paper, The Nylon Rope Trick, demonstrated a way of producing nylon in a beaker at room temperature. It is still a common classroom experiment, and the process was extended to high molecular weight polyamides. In 1985, Stephanie and her co-workers patented a method for preparing PBO and PBT polymers. Have you ever done... I I looked it up um, when you sent this document over, the nylon rope trick. Did you ever do that one in, in science class? No. Me neither. I feel cheated now. I, I now want to do this nylon rope trick. We can experiment. Do with, we can do it with Elena. That okay, great. Feel better. We can do it with a kid. All right. <laughs> um, so anyway, we were talking about the Lavoisier medal. I'm going to go ahead and read this one since you can't Go for it. it. <laughs> go for it. I speak five languages, but I can't pronounce that word, apparently. For her discovery of Kevlar, Stephanie Kwolek was awarded the DuPont Company's Lavoisier Medal for Outstanding Technical Achievement in 1995 as a persistent experimentalist and role model for whose discovery of liquid crystalline polyamides led to Kevlar 
Aramid. What? Fibers. Kevlar. Aramid. Fibers. Mm-hmm. At the time of her death in 2014, she was still the only female employee to receive that honor. So truly a barrier breaker. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1980, Stephanie received the Chemical Pioneer Award from the American Institute of Chemists and an award for creative invention from the American Chemical Society. Um, 1995, she was added to the National Inventors Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. 96, she received the National Medal of Technology and the IRI Achievement Award. Mm-hmm. In 1997, she received the Perkin Medal from the American Chemical Society. In 2003, she was inducted into the National Women's Hall of Fame. Yes. Uh, she's been awarded um, honorary degrees by Carnegie Mellon University, uh, Worcester Polytechnic Institute and Clarkson University as well. So the Royal Society of Chemistry grants a biennial, biennial Stephanie L. Qualick Award to recognize the exceptional contributions to the areas of materials chemistry from a scientist working outside the UK. Mm-hmm. And she was also uh, she is featured rather as one of the Royal Society of Chemistry 175 Faces of Chemistry. Which is just it's so cool. There's an award that is given to other people for their breakthroughs that is in her name. That's pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> that's... I keep saying this word, but it's just so cool. Yeah, it's very cool. So her legacy, let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Let's talk about what um, what she left behind for mankind. Yeah. So we've covered this, but just to nail it home. She's contributed to the safety and protection of millions of people worldwide. Mm-hmm. Um, on a personal note, she was completely devoted to her work. She never married and never had any children. When she died, the DuPont chief executive officer, Ellen J. Coleman, said, quote, She leaves a wonderful legacy of thousands of lives saved and countless injuries prevented by products made possible by her discovery. Right. In an interview with the Chemical Heritage Foundation, Stephanie said, When I look back on my career, I'm inspired most by the fact that I was fortunate enough to do something that would be a benefit to mankind. It's been an extremely satisfying discovery. It truly has. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that the other legacy that she left behind is, um, is those little girls um, who are pursuing science, mm-hmm. um, you know, those that are able to get the jobs as um, a chemical polymer researcher, um, you know, those ones that are um, able to, to receive those awards, those scholarships, those grants that are in her name, um, I think that that's really cool. And also, you know, personally, um, I don't know why I said that to, to you because you know this, but um, well, the two of us were very interested in science when we were young girls, mm-hmm. and both actively discouraged from, um, you know, pursuing our our desires and our our our, our hopes in science. Um, and you know, she, Alicia, and I are both in our early thirties, um, so this this kind of thing still happens, where girls yeah. are. are told not to do something or told that they can't be something or um, achieve something. Right. It's it's disheartening. And so when you hear about people like Stephanie Kowalik who are um, breaking barriers and being a um, role model to other 
people and young girls and boys to get them into chemistry mm-hmm. and into a, you know, specifically for the girls, into a male-dominated league or field, I think that that's really impressive. And, you know, I really want to point that out, that yes. she worked in a highly male-dominated field and discovered something amazing. And so I think that it's great to have people of all different kinds in all different fields. So yeah. um, for me, myself, when yes. I... Please. Yes. Um, when I was younger, I desperately wanted to be a meteorologist. Um, to the point of, I can like, see that. storm chaser, twister level movie. Yeah. Like, I wanted to learn more about tornadoes. And basically the premise of Twister, this was before Twister came out, though. Like, <laughs> they totally stole my idea. Um, sure. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, you wanted to be a storm chaser. I did, but I wanted to improve um, notification times for homes that were in the path of an upcoming tornado and so I was actively discouraged from doing that and actually one of my high school friends who is male was encouraged to do it and he became a meteorologist well I mean that's kind of interesting it is also bummer dude sad yeah for you um I I on the other hand I went a different route um I wanted to be a brain surgeon okay Obviously not smart enough for that, but... No, I think you would have been great at it. <laughs> no, I, I, I thought that the... I mean, like, I think that the human body is really interesting, and I love to see how everything um, fits together and how everything that works together. Um, and I... I mean, our bodies are like a, a machine, mm-hmm. you know? And I like to pull apart things and see how they work. So uh, that's, that's where I went. Yeah. I think it's just a really interesting... Um... I'm really glad that Stephanie was not discouraged enough to not do it mm-hmm. um, because she wanted to do, go to med school. So it's not like she wanted to pursue science all the way. It just was different science that she ended up in and she just really ended up changing the world. And I thought that that was really interesting. And I hope that she serves as a mentor or um, role model for little girls who are thinking that they want to go into chemistry or go into science yeah, in general. science field. Yeah. Um, do it. Yeah, do it. And if you need somebody to encourage you, call me and Alicia. We'll encourage the heck out of you. Yeah, we will. That's true. Um, yeah, I'm so glad that, you know, we're, uh, you and I are given this platform um, from FI360 that we can call attention to these women. Right. Um, that we can, you know, shine a light on, on those women who paved the way for for other young girls to pursue their dreams in science. Um, you know, th- we just finished our um, our February episodes, mm-hmm. and um, those were celebrating uh, the Queens of Black History Month, mm-hmm. um, our pioneering first ladies. We've got some other cool ones coming up later in this year. Um, you and I are so excited about to talk about some of these people, some of these women. Right. So I think it's just important to um, think about how many women have been excluded from the history books in terms of... Um, not even in the ni- you know the 20th century which is when Stephanie was mm-hmm. but before that when you know books were being written only only people of higher higher wealth mm-hmm. and men were able and permitted to write yep so how many female stories did we lose over time 
a lot. Yeah. So many that you and I can never get to cover all of them, and it, like, hurts me. But we when, can, when we we can make a to, dent. Yeah, I mean, we can make a dent. I mean, one of the things that we're trying to do is to um, showcase these women who broke barriers that are, like, Stephanie, not well-known. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I mean, that's the way that you and I are at least trying to contribute a little bit. Yeah, trying to turn the wheel a little bit the other way. Yeah. But anyway, let's toast to Stephanie. Please. To Stephanie Kolak, receiver of the Lavoisier Award. <laughs> um, her On her impact on the lives she has saved, the injuries she has prevented, and her gift to mankind. Stephanie. Thank you for spending your time with us. Again, this is Breaking Barriers and a Little Louder Now podcast produced by The Bridge Initiative. Thank you to Alicia for this uh, great conversation. Um, thank you for teaching me so much about Stephanie Kwalek and her discovery um, of Kevlar. You're welcome. Um, thank you, listeners, for taking some time with us to talk uh, about the amazing science maven Stephanie Kwalek. Stay tuned for more podcasts featuring magnificent women who broke barriers. And, you know, if you'd like to catch up on what we've been doing or you have questions, you have topic ideas, or, you know, you just want to be a part of our community, come on in. You can come the visit us. fine. Yeah. <laughs> you can come visit us at fi360bridge.com to check out our previous podcasts, our webinars and blog posts. You can email us at bridge at fi360.com and connect with us on Twitter or Insta at fi360bridge. You can also support the podcast without spending a dime by leaving us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, we want you all to get a, a little, little louder, louder now. Every time you do that, it makes me laugh uncontrollably. Your voice just turns into something completely different. It becomes... This is Ira Gash with MBR. <laughs> That's what it becomes. Every single time. <laughs>